Welcome to episode 7 of the Spinner's Lit Pinball Podcast. Tonight's episode, Raiders of the Lost Warehouse, with our special guest, Drew Nicholson. I'm your host, Spencer Klingen, and uh, my wonderful co-host and engineer, Seth Holder. And uh, Drew, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Awesome, cool. So, uh, just a little bit of a quick overview wait, wait of that. I'm an engineer now. You're you're the co-host and engineer because I can never get this I right. I want a raise. <laughs> you have, where's my shop steward? I need my union rep here. <laughs> no, look, you have to be the engineer because I can never get this thing right. You have to bail yeah. me out every episode. So, <laughs> and then all right, I derailed you. That. Okay, cool. Uh, so, uh, Drew, you have your own uh, YouTube channel, the Eight Bit Pit, which is uh, pinball games, K games related, mm -hmm. and you're a, and and you're a super moderator on uh, on Clog Arcade Forum. Um, and is, so you that is correct. And so you collect both pins and bids. Yep, I collect the best of the best. At least I try to. Okay, the cool. best of the best. Mm, I'm trying to think of the pins I've seen you bring to the shows over the years. <laughs> oh, you know, Scorpion, Brunswick like, um, <laughs> Alive. Oh, you love that game. Alive, that's right. That's the one you brought this that's year. Such a piece the of very game. best of the best. <laughs> it worked for an hour or two. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? You know what? I actually did get to play it. It wasn't that terrible. I mean, it, you know, it was a pinball machine. Yeah, I'm sorry. So. No, I mean, it's the best Elvis <laughs> pinball machine out there, right? It is uh, the best Elvis machine. I think I sold that thing at the end of the show for 50 bucks. Oh, wow. I, Somebody I got a good deal. I could not happier to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it probably wasn't your first pin. What, what was yours? Where did you start um, off? The first machine, the first pinball machine that I ever bought was a Gottlieb Monte Carlo that I actually mm. I got that for ten bucks, um, but it uh, it had its issues for sure. Um, it was stored outside for who knows how Ooh. many years. It was under a tarp, which didn't help at all. Um, that probably made it worse. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the the legs were about two inches into the dirt. Uh, you know, the sides of the cabinet were swollen. Uh, I was like, oh well, I mean, yeah, it worked when we put it out here. We just didn't have room in the house. I'm like, really? I mean. <laughs> That's so, when you get rid of the furniture. Were you into vids at the time, and so weren't daunted by the challenge of, I, of a I was. Uh, I mean, I was kind of. I was kind of excited to to get my first pinball machine. Uh, technically, the machine was was free, but I but I tipped him ten bucks for helping me load it into the truck. Like, uh, we had to like walk through like three different neighbors' yards to get it back to my truck. It was. Well, it was I'd, really I'd stick with free then. I mean, that's that's the story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But lo the lo long and short of it was that machine uh, was well beyond trying to save. The, the head was crumbling apart. Oh. Um, and, you know, I was really novice to pinball machines. Like nowadays, I probably could have got it running, but it, the machine was totally dead to the world, and I just didn't want to mess with it. I found a big beehive in it, and oof, yeah, oh. it was not a, not a really fun, uh, you know, first venture in, in, into pinball, but, <laughs> you know. Well, that uh, so if you didn't tackle that one, what was your uh, first game that you had to do some serious repairs on? How did you cut your teeth? Oh man, that that's a great question. I, I know that the first machine that, that I bought that actually played and worked, it still needed needed some work, was actually the machine that I wanted the most, which was uh, Super Mario Brothers. And um, uh. I was actually able to get it through uh, through a friend of mine who tipped me off said hey there, there's one of these machines on ebay right now and they're actually local here you should go get it and it was 700 bucks i'm like oh yeah yes absolutely <laughs> and um 
so that was actually my first machine. That's where I started learning how to do flipper rebuilds and figuring out, mm. you know, how the switches work and how boards work. And um, at this time, I was probably less than a year into the whole arcade collecting scene. So everything uh, was still pretty new to me, too. Um, yeah, yeah. But that was the, that was the first foray into, in, into pinball, um, at least in like a serious manner. And you still have that game. I do. Don't I you? do. I'm in the middle of awesome. completely re, uh, uh, tearing it down and rebuilding it uh, the, the right way this time. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it's been several years. It's been, it's been about 10 years of knowledge that I've gained since buying that machine. So I'm doing it up right now. Nice. But, yeah, it, it, it's it, it's my holy grail. It's one of the machines that I remember playing back when I was a little tiny kid, and uh, you know the Yoshi and all that. All all those sounds really bring back a lot of memories for me. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. You got another question, Seth? Oh, I was just curious who you were. Uh, who'd you reach out to when you were first learning? You know, in terms of. You know, was it online? Was did you have somebody there in a local hometown oh, that come over? Because that's a pretty everything. daunting thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely was daunting. But everything I learned, I learned through Google. I I googled it all. I I perused the forums. Uh, it was all pretty much self-taught stuff. Awesome. That is cool. So, Drew, what was uh, the best deal you've ever found? Oh, the best deal that I ever found. That's a great question. You know what? Let me actually pull up my spreadsheet because I have it on my computer. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a, oh, wow. I've got a big spreadsheet of every single machine that I've ever purchased. Uh, I wish oh, I could really? say you were the first person uh, to ever uh, tell me they have a spreadsheet of pinball information, but um, <laughs> and yes, I'm looking at you, Mof. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have an episode without a shout out to our brother Mo. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I, I got a I got a Captain Fantastic that was home use only for a hundred bucks. So oh, that, that, that hurts. That was a pretty. That was a pretty I love that machine. Game. Was was it uh, EM or or solid yeah, state? Yeah, it was. It it was EM. That was my first EM game actually. Oh wow! Um, oh cool. That was a that was a whole a whole different venture that I wasn't quite ready for. <laughs> um, <laughs> still not quite really all that. All, oh, all that takes thing. twenty years to really get good at EMs. Yeah. Um. Gosh, I man, yeah, that, that 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 was a pretty good deal. I would say probably the best deal was probably some of my of my larger, um, you know, purchases like later on in life when I when I got a bunch of machines from warehouses and stuff like that. that that's where I got some of the really good deals. I I did get uh, three new in box uh, old stock Elvis Gold uh, edition machines for about four thousand dollars each. Um, I remember that. Which, yeah, that 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 stirred up a little bit of dust on the on the pin side forums. I, that's actually kind of when I was start when I was a little bit new to pin side, and people were like, "You're an idiot," you know? Who 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 are you? <laughs> um, you know, Should have bought three lives. All these machines. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I got uh, three of those for for four thousand bucks each. I actually made quite a bit of money on those because um, it wasn't a machine I really planned on keeping, but ended up. Uh, being able to afford some of the other machines I did want. So it all, it all worked out. Yeah. It funds the hobby. Exactly. Uh, it, absolutely. Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about the eight bit pit. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I haven't done my homework. Spencer's uh, giving me a little bit of a, uh, overview of what it is, but, uh, what exactly is it? How, how long you've been doing it? I've done my homework Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for once. So, so, he, he, so he, I set this, Set to send him emails like all last week, dude. You've done your. You actually put. You actually put thought into this. So anyway, go <laughs> ahead, Drew. But uh, yeah, I 
I basically I, I started collecting about 2008. Um, that's you know I I, I, it, I first started out as the Drew Cade, which was my my moniker for my little arcade, mm-hmm. and it started see, it started sounding really self centered, and I didn't like it. <laughs> so I did a little bit of poking around I, with, with some you know some fun with words, and I came up with the eight bit pit. And uh, it just it just kind of, kind of stuck, and it turned out uh, to be something that I, I really enjoyed. You know, hey, do you want to come over to the 8-Bit Pit? Well, what's that? Oh, it's the arcade I have in my house. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> it kind of had a fun ring to it. Yeah, yeah. And so it, uh, it helped me kind of launch uh, the uh, YouTube channel that I have now, which hasn't quite taken off yet. I'm hoping it does sometime soon. But um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just kind of what I do. It's It's the name for my home arcade, and it's... Do you have a, any particular format? Do you focus on, um, you know, machines that you're on the hunt for, machines you're repairing, you know? Uh, my YouTube channel is kind of little of everything. Um, like, I, I've got I've got full teardown and rebuilds of, of pinball machines. I've got, you know, uh, ride-alongs as I go and pick up new games. Uh, I've got some repair videos here and there. Um I've got kind of a little, a little bit of everything, really. I don't really have a, a whole, you know, a, a set type of, of video that I do. Or they, it'd be a pit is just pinball and arcade and fun. It's really all it is. Well, that sounds sounds like I need to do some of my homework. And I was going to say, if you'd actually done your homework, <laughs> yeah. you'd know this stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm learning a lot about about vlogging and, and making YouTube videos. Like, you know, I, I look back on some of the ones I did a few years ago and. Uh, you know, I've definitely learned a lot. My videos have come a long way. Still not quite there yet, but I'm, I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable with with each video that I that, that I spit out. So, well, you know, I I watched a really great one uh, recently, and uh, and it's, it's, a, it's an episode you did on uh, a big warehouse rig because you had mentioned that earlier, and um, yeah, I, let's see. I think I did a couple different ones on that. Yeah. Um, how do you find these no, things, man? You would know that if you'd done his homework. I, you know what? I, I actually watched. I did watch. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, place where I got a lot of my machines, um, it kind of all, all started back. Uh, I would say probably within like the first or second year that I was that I was collecting. I, th- this was well after I, I had picked up my my Super Mario Brothers, and basically I ended up finding a Super Mario Brothers machine on on Craigslist and. The price was right, and I was thinking, hey, you know what? I could buy that and use it to to trade for something that I want, you know, use it as trade bait. And then at, the, at that point, I wanted a Bride of Pinbot. I wanted one of those really bad. So I went, uh, you know, I hit this, this guy up with the intention of of buying this, this game um, and expecting to, you know, come up on someone's residence, you know, a house. And I, I come to this big, what looks like, like an empty wear, uh, uh, office building. I'm like, all right, this is kind of sketch. Um, cause it's, you know, it's right next door to the, to the, you know, the, the dropout high school GED place. I'm like, all right, this is not that there's anything wrong. You know, with it's, that. It, no, but it's kind of a seedy area of town. Okay. Right? Let, let's be honest. It's, it's definitely a seedy area of town. Um, and, uh, you know, I take, I, I meet the guy up there and I, I walk through the front door and I, there's just, there's rows and rows of pinball machines. And I'm like, I'm drooling. <laughs> I'm Your like, mouth's on the floor. Wait a minute. What what did I just walk into? You know? And so he, he shows me, you know, this Mario Brothers pinball machine. And at this point, I couldn't care less about that game. Like, I'm, I'm looking at, at all these other machines. I'm like, I, there's Whirlwinds and Twilight Zones and, and Corvettes and just all these machines. And sure enough, I find 
he's got a bride of pinbot sitting there and it's, of course it's in shambles it was used as a as a parts game and i'm like oh ooh, i want that i want that how much do you want for that is like, oh, I don't know, uh, make an offer. I was like, uh, 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 I don't know, 700 bucks? Like, sure. Like, oh, sweet, cool. I got a bride of pinbot, you know? And then, of course, I, I didn't buy the Mario Brothers. I, I couldn't have cared less about that at that point. And uh, so we, we made a deal for the bride of pinbot. And uh, then, then he says to me, do you want to see the rest of the warehouse? I'm like, hold on, wait, what? Wait, wait, the rest wait, of the wait. Warehouse? So he takes me in into the back room, and this place is huge like like this this was just a small room that i was in like this was just the front room there's an entire the foyer of the of this like it's crazy and there are just rows of twilight zones and indiana joneses and just and i'm i'm beside myself i'm like what did i just get into and um so he he gives me the tour of, of the warehouse there has to be a good a good three or four hundred games in, in in this place. Like this place is definitely huge, and you know the kind of places you would only read about. And I was like, "This is happening to me. This is weird." <laughs> and so, and so he so he takes me upstairs, and yet there's another story to this warehouse. So I I've only seen the first floor at this point. So he takes me upstairs, and there are just rooms and rooms of of, of upright games and cocktails and. I just I don't know what to do with myself. So um, I ended up making well, another you, you deal. Take your I, clothes I, off that's and what, you yeah. start running around. That's that's I, what I, I do. I was, I was pretty close. Like there's not much he could have asked me that I would have said no to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up making a, kind of a package deal. I ended up grabbing a converted warlord's cocktail um, that I was actually able to cabinet swap with, with mine because it, it was a much better one. Uh, that thousand bucks I got a warlord's and a and a bride of pinbot and and called it a day. One and heck so of we, a tour. We, it was one heck of a tour. And, you know, so we, we kept in touch throughout the years and I, I periodically, you know, stop by and grab a couple games here and there. And then it, uh, it came to a point a couple of years ago where, uh, so he, he's got this, the second auxiliary warehouse about, about 30 miles uh, outside of, of, uh, of uh, Reno in, in the capital of Carson city. And uh, he was looking at starting to close it down to, you know, he's kind of consolidating the, the company, family issues, things like that. Um, so he needed the, the space. And so the first, the first warehouse raid that I, that I went on where he said, I need to get rid of a lot of this stuff. You pick out what, what you want. Let's make a deal. I got about 20 upright video games. Uh, you know, some, some decent stuff. I, I got about eight spy hunters, wow. um, which, which I cashed in on. I kept one for myself. Um, I got, you know, a, just a ton of, of your average games, you know, not, not a whole lot of junk, but nothing to really write home about. Um, and, uh, fast forward to last year, he says, all right, so I'm really getting serious about closing this warehouse. I need the room, the front room of all the pinball machines. You pick out what you want. You tell me what you want and let, let, let's make a deal. And I, and I'm like, all right, th- th- this is it. Here we go. So I <laughs> start getting the credit cards like, oh. out. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, all right, how much money do I have in my bank account? How many machines can I get? How many machines do I have room for? How much have I sold blood this here? week? <laughs> Every, yeah, exactly right. Remember, I mean, do I really need those kidneys? Everybody yeah. has a third <laughs> mortgage now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so basically, I go through and I, and I make a list of all the games that. Uh, that I think I, I can get for a pretty decent deal, and uh, long and short of it, I end up with with twenty eight games. Wow! Um, which 
cost a lot of money. I, I, I will say. However, it was it was a, a fair deal for sure. Um, the majority of them were basically uh, System Eleven, early Data East, you know, late '80s, early '90s stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the the newest one being a, a, a Capcom Airborne. Pretty much everything else was was older than that. Nothing WPC, unfortunately. Um, but because uh, he still uses a lot of the more recent games for machines that he's still routing. Mm, um, makes so, sense. So basically, I got the majority of the, of the stuff that he doesn't plan on putting back out on location, which netted me about uh, five Whirlwinds, three Earthshakers, um, uh, four, four Simpsons Data East machines, three Data East hooks, like just tons of these really nice fun games but that you can still get for for relatively cheap you know not not a-list titles by any means but still a lot of fun games right um and uh so basically i you know i cleared out a bunch of those machines i put them all in my storage unit and then uh yeah as i say what size storage unit did you have (laughs) a big one (laughs) i had a big one for sure um i was able to actually fit about half those machines in the garage and the rest of them went to the to the storage unit so i didn't need a, a huge one well, that's good um but yeah because they're all pretty small in the class is, is that one of those things you go get a u-haul trailer real quick and just make a bunch of trips uh yeah yeah definitely um I, at least that one was um the rest of them you know when i was kind of moving them back and forth i was using my my little honda i had a little honda fit that i just cram a machine in the back and off i go um <laughs> it, it actually works least, out pretty well at least you I, had a I, large I vehicle made, <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> um, in fact, I even made a YouTube video on how to fit a pinball machine in a Honda Fit. Oh, that's awesome. Fun. I watched that video, too. Yeah, it's kind of funny, isn't it? <laughs> it is. But, uh, yeah, and then um, the warehouse video, the, the warehouse uh, tour that I that I put up on YouTube was pretty much the end of this second warehouse where there weren't any real machines Um but there's just you know I took home car lo- uh, uh, car loads of, of parts and test equipment and and just a ton of really cool stuff. Well, you picked up some boards and some uh, back glasses too, right? I did, yeah. I, I, d- I did get a pretty big slug of boards. I got I got an entire box of of older Cinematronics boards, like like uh, Rip Off, Star Castle. I think um, there's actually um, a couple pretty darn rare games in there too. Um, I haven't been able to uh, identify them all yet, but um, yeah, I also got got some some Dragon's Lair. Uh, but you're still dealing with the aftermath. Oh yeah, it's I, I'm not going to be able to clean all this up for at least another year. Wow. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and it was definitely worth. You know, he's he's a great guy to deal with. Um, he knows that I'm not just in the business to flip everything that I'm getting from him. You know, a lot of the stuff I am keeping. He knows that I am a true collector, and I'm using the majority of all this to to fund what I really do want. You know, to help pay the mortgage and stuff like that. So it's not like I'm I'm trying to put him out of business or compete with him or anything like that. So it's 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 really important to build that rapport with people Absolutely. that uh, you know that have some some really good stuff that's actually how i've been able to get a lot of deals instead of just you know calling the guy i'm trying to lowball him I, you know i talk to him and i explain you know what i'm looking for that you know i'm not just going to flip this i want it for my personal collection and mm-hmm. and and i'll give him a history on the game you know and talk to him about it and i found that's got me a lot of deals where you know they're like yeah come and get the game where other people are just like you know, oh, uh, well, you take three hundred less, or uh, you know, yeah, can you exactly. take, and uh, can you take PayPal? And uh, it's like, you know, talk to people, man. You know, uh, because especially like with a warehouse operator right down the road, this has provided extra dividends 
because you can mm-hmm. keep going back and getting the games. And if you still got games routed, if I recall correctly, a while back you picked up a, an attack from Mars. It, did you get that from that operator? Yeah, so I got both my attack from Mars and my Indiana Jones uh, from him by by trading to the machines that that I had. Um, I had a, a home use only uh, uh, Batman: The Dark Knight uh, Stern that he wanted to use on location. That I traded straight across for attack from Mars, which is a pretty darn good deal. That is um, right. Yeah, hey, yeah, then, it is. And then I was able to do the the same thing with my Family Guy for uh, Indiana Jones. So he nice. Used, yeah. So um, as far as as collector value is concerned, I, I came out ahead. But as far as as income for his business, you know, it, it worked out for him too because those are both really high earning games that he can use for for his route that he didn't need to do anything to. Like they were basically brand new games. Right. That he wow. Was able to trade off, so it, it worked out good for both of us. Really. That's what a relationship's all about. Absolutely. That, exactly. Exactly. So you're on the warehouse raid. I mean, do you, when you go in, I mean, because you kind of get to look around beforehand, but do you have an idea like, all right, well, like like with the cinematronics boards, was that something you thought, man, if I mm-hmm. can just find these, this is going to be cool? Or it's just kind of like you're just picking through and you find something cool, you're going, all right, I got this. Well, in the case of of the warehouse raid that, that I went on, like in this, in this, I was more interested in finding big boxes of stuff to just take a gamble on. All right, I want all these, and I'll pick through them later. Buy now, ask questions later. Okay. You, know, um, you, you might find some good stuff. You might, you might come up with you know, nothing good at all. Um, but being able to kind of pick through it a little bit, you start getting a good idea of what, of what is there and what might be there. Like, like a, another box of boards I went through, I ended up finding some, some new old stock, um, uh, jo- uh, joust joysticks, oh, wow. which worked out great. Cause I've got a joust that, that needs them. But of course you couldn't see those cause they were, had a, you know, a ton of boards on top of them. So, um, yeah, you, you just got to kind of thumb through it. I I didn't want to be too nitpicky, you know, like I, I didn't want to just leave them with, with a bunch of trash. So I was willing to take, you know, all the junk with all the good stuff too, because of course he was looking to clean out that warehouse and, uh, you know, however I can make the whole clean out process easier. I, I'd be more than happy to take some, some junk along sure. with the good stuff too. So. Right on. So, um, you got any other tips for somebody like if me and Seth were going on a warehouse raid? Um, in terms of, of finding the warehouses to go on, it, like I said, it's all about who you know and who you network with. Um, chances are you're never going to find a post on Craigslist saying, Hey, I've got a, <laughs> got a big warehouse of pinball machines, a hundred bucks each. Come on and get them. Yeah, that, that won't happen to be totally honest with you. It's all about who, you know, because a lot of these operators are, are starting to get to the point where they just don't care about what they have anymore. You know, the, the warehouses are starting to close down or they just want to, you know, or they're like, like families are inheriting an old business and they were, they're just trying to, you know, uh, cycle the, the the stuff out, so it all depends on really who you know, because um, that's an an invaluable resource is networking. Um, as far as actually like 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 going through the warehouse and picking through, you know what what you do or don't want. It it's I it, it's hard to say you know what good practices are or aren't because I mean every situation is going to be different. Of course, you don't want to you know, waste all your money on, on, the you know, the common, you know, JAMA fighter games from the early nineties. Like you, you want to try and find those, those diamonds in the rough. Like you, you want to, you want to find the, the, the classics. Yeah. I had, I had an experience where I, I traded or didn't trade, but picked up a, a vid, my first vid from uh, gas pump, Rob down in so- SoCal. He brought a Capcom versus Marvel two up 
and um, I, I was kind of looking for a fighting game for my son, so I thought, oh, it looks like a good game, and I got really lucky because ended up that was a really desirable title. It's one that can't be emulated, and the the platform sure. that it runs on is is highly sought after. So when when I realized that I couldn't uh, do some of the repairs on it that were beyond me on the monitor, I was able to quickly find uh, other enthusiasts that were wanted that that uh, set up real quick. So definitely quality of the title. Yeah, those are those are that's a CPSC yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, those boards are not yeah. very cool. We'll, we'll yeah, exactly. <laughs> Left. So, um, yeah. so, and I imagine too, it helps uh, living in a, in a town like Reno, where uh, um, casinos are a big part of the fabric of the town, in in terms of the availability of vids and and pins a little bit. That's a legacy of that town yeah. having coin op. Right. It's it's kind of interesting because that's kind of the general consensus. But when you really get down to it, a lot of the casinos, um, like uh, the there's a lot of legalities that go into uh, it too. Like a lot of the casinos bought and owned their own games, and so there's a lot of liability when it comes to you know the equipment that they're that they're decommissioning. So a lot of the stuff kind of kind of gets destroyed, ah. like you know kind kind of. An, Kind of in, in the same fashion that 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 Chuck E. Cheese does. Hey, this is supposed e. to be a family yeah. show. We don't we don't make statements like that. <laughs> scare the children, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but you know, just because of the of the legalities, you know, and the and the liability. Oh, I got this machine from from the Silver Club, and then all of a sudden it burnt my house down. Uh, I'm going to sue okay, you guys. Gotcha. Like they, 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 they don't want to accept that liability or even like mess with the possibility that that could happen. So a lot of the stuff never really sees wow. the light of day. All right. Well, that's, you know, I guess I'm not on. moving to Reno or Vegas. I'll scratch that off my list. And <laughs> <laughs> eh, there's nothing yeah. left. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got it all. Don't I was going to say, Drew, Drew's got it all in a warehouse hidden somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> that's too bad. So, um, switching gears a little bit, talk to me um, about uh, your YouTube channel. We kind of touched on what it does, but um, just kind of stepping back a minute, what what is it like putting on a YouTube channel? Is there any tips for those in our audience that might be interested in, in putting on their own channel? It's very, very difficult. Um, and not in the sense like of, of trying to, to gain followers. Like, like, don't get me wrong. It is difficult to do that, but it's also difficult to stay mm. motivated. Um, especially, you know, when you're first starting out, like I've, I've been doing this, I've had my channel up for close to two years, two or three years now, close to three years actually. Um, and I've only got a little over 200 subscribers, which, you know, is not even a drop in the pond compared to, you know, other, other channels. But, um, the biggest advice that I can give to anyone who does want to try and start up a YouTube channel is just keep just keep plugging away at it. You know, keep uploading content, keep content coming at a at a as a, at a semi steady pace, so that way you know your subscribers have something to look forward to if if they like your your content. And as you get that momentum going, you know, it, it starts getting a little bit easier. But I, I've had I've had a lot of of times where I've you know shot an entire you know sequence or at like like. You know, I've I've done an entire rebuild on a machine, and either I lose the the footage, or so something goes wrong, and I get discouraged. I'm like, ah, screw this, or <laughs> I just I don't find the time to actually sit down and edit it, and it's like three months later, and it's not even relevant anymore. You know, um, it's it's really hard to to stay on it, but it is really rewarding when when yeah. You know, so um, that that's that that's my best advice is to just 
just keep yeah. going. Yeah. Because eventually your your channel your channel will pick up speed. We have the same problem doing this podcast because we both have such busy schedules and Seth travels a lot for work. So it's like we like to do a, a you know like an episode about every ten days, but it ends up being about every 15, 18, 20 days because we're just trying to coordinate yeah. coordinate work schedules and family life and everything else. Well, have you ever and, had uh, a problem with uh, losing the very first episode you put out, or is that just Spencer? No, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I complete. I have completely lost it. I can't find it. It's somewhere on the internet. Oh, jeez. No, I never had that problem. I've had plenty of lost footage, but nothing that I don't think anyone would really miss. So. <laughs> I kid, Spencer. It's all right. We love you. It's We love you too, man. But, you know, it's it's true. I mean, I lost the first episode. It'll be like, in, in 50 years, it'll be like, like you know, finding the first episode of I Love Lucy or something, you know? <laughs> uh -oh. It's like the lost, the first episode is the spitter is lit. So, first time heard in 40 years. Yeah. Oh, geez. So, Drew, tell us about uh, for because, I mean, you know, we're all familiar with it, but for the listener that may not be, and uh, what, it's, yeah. what it's like to be a super moderator. And, and when you say CLOV or CLOV, you're, you're talking about that forum that's KLOV, right? Yeah, the Video Arcade Preservation Society Killer List of Killer List of Video Games. All right, there we go. Which covers everything coin-op, pinball, arcade games, slots, jukeboxes, slots, soda machines, candy machines, everything. Drama too, absolutely, and a lot of drama. Yeah, it's to my knowledge it's one of one of the largest if not the largest uh you know uh, coin op related uh discussion forum i think it's actually one of the oldest ones too and um yeah no it's 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 fun being a moderator like i've never really you know moderated a site or you know helped moderate forums before but uh there's the majority of what i do is move stuff that people put in the wrong place and that's really all there is to it um keeping a couple people you know in line there are a few kind of abrasive members that pop up here and there and a lot of complainers but wait know, on the internet people yeah. complain it's weird isn't it <laughs> and are and are difficult to yeah. deal with no say it ain't so <laughs> yeah i know and there's like a lot of information that you would think is correct but it's not it's weird <laughs> like all the information on the internet is supposed to be true. That's know. why this podcast guarantees a 95% accuracy rate. Because <laughs> we do our homework. Right. All right, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's it's fun. Um, you know, really, there's not a, a real big difference between being a normal member and being a moderator. Just I get to ban people whenever I want. So that's really all there is. You know, that's all that different. I've had to ban a couple people, which basically just boils down to them, uh, you know, ripping someone else off or um, constant, you know, attacks toward other members. But um, it's happened, you know, very, very few times. So do you find it more in pinball or more in the arcade game side or is it just kind of like a mixed bag? Um, I find it more in the for sale sections. Ah, okay. All <laughs> in, right. In, in the for sale, and there's quite a bit coming from the uh, – from the uh, you know the the chat about anything or the you know the the PNR part of the of the threads where everyone has you know brilliant political opinions on everything right. else. 
Um, so a lot of that stuff gets out of hand too. But the majority of, of what I see is either people not getting stuff that they paid for or people posting things in the wrong spot or people getting, you know, kind of butthurt when, you know, they get called a mean name or something like that. How, how, do, you, how do you find uh, the site compared to Pinside in terms of pinball discussion, tech help, rumors, that kind of thing? Um, you know, actually, I, I kind of find both sites about even in terms of, of their usefulness when it comes to, to pinball knowledge. Um, Pinside, of course, does have a little bit more in there. You get, typically get a little bit of a quicker response. Um, but I've, I've found a lot of answers on, on the KLOV forums that I wasn't able to find on, mm. on, uh, on Pinside. And a lot of that, I think, also is to just the fact that there's so much going on on Pinside that a lot of things get pushed down yeah. to the bottom a lot quicker. So um, I think that's kind of a big part do, of it. Do you so have to have – I think the majority of the people – sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask. Do you have to have a, a membership to, to browse K- KLOV or, or is it open to anonymous – uh, you do have to have, have a membership um, and a valid P- uh, PayPal account as well. Um, I think you have to make like a one dollar donation uh, to make sure that you're not like a robot or like some spam. Gotcha. You know, so it also it also helps deter people who have been banned to, from making second accounts because oh they have to pay money to do that now. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So, gotcha. Um, it it, it kind of deters a lot of that too. But um, if if you get referred from another member. Um, you can actually get in free um, without having to make the donation, even though it is appreciated. Of course, yeah, makes sense. So if you're like me and really cheap, just uh, email me and I'll get you in. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I'll get you in for half price. There you go. 50 cents, man. It's worth it. Now, you know, I actually became a member of CLOV a couple of years before I joined Pinside. I was new to the hobby, and I just I lurked on Pinside for a really long time, but I came onto Club pretty early, and that's where I started first meeting people, and then I joined Pinside, and it just got crazy after that. So as did the hobby, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, um, Drew, you got anything else you want to throw out there? Hmm. You know, I don't know. At least not off the top of my head. Um, this has been a pretty pretty fun experience so far. I'm I'm really liking this. This is a lot of fun. Awesome. See, I told you, and everybody that gets nervous, like, well, what I was no, I said, just come on the show. You'll have a blast. Yeah. In fact, Seth and I on episode five, I'm like, let's do an episode. It's like we don't have anything. I said, give me ten minutes, I'll have an episode. <laughs> and he's like, you're crazy. I said, no. I literally wrote down show notes, emailed it over, no, texted it over to him, said. We're recording in five minutes. Let's do this. And we just have fun. It's great. Um, and the show came out halfway decent. Um, well, let's move on to our game of the week. Uh, Seth, what's our game of the week? This week, uh, brought to you by Williams, we have Fishtails. Uh, if we look at the numbers real quick, just to level set, uh, came out in 1992. Uh, it was built uh, or designed by Mark Ritchie. Uh, Python was... Um, Involved in it, Pat uh, McCone uh, not only did the artwork, but he also uh, helped with some of the game design. Uh, 13,000 units, and uh, it is a sweet pen. Uh, I, I say that because, um, like our other games of the week lately, I happen to own one. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've actually, I've never really sat down and played a really good game of, of Fishtail, so I can't really speak to it a whole lot either. And it feels weird because I know a lot of people love that game. I just, I haven't had a really good game that i can really figure out how good of a game it is to me 
Well, we need to have you come down the hill and come play mine. Uh, <laughs> <I'm it's... down. laughs> uh, you know, I have had uh, an itch since I got into this hobby to own a taxi. Um, I was um, really uh, blessed to be able to babysit a taxi for about a year, and I, I just really love everything about that game, which is, um, I, I say taxi, uh, not fishtails, because I'm referring to an earlier title by Mark Ritchie. Um, and so it's a game I've always wanted. And then I got an opportunity to, uh, through a trade to get a Fishtails. Um, and, uh, man, it scratched that taxi itch uh, like nothing else ever has with the, the crossover uh, ramps and the, the super fast um, ball speeds, fast drains. It's, it's got a lot of this things about taxi um, in it. Um, it's, it. To me, it's almost a taxi 2.0, which is probably going to make some people roll their eyes and some people throw rotten fruit at me. But um, I, I, I really like it. You know, it's got um, a, a really uh, great artwork. The, the, the gentleman, Pat, uh, Mc, Mc, make sure I say his name right, Mick Mahone, uh, is the same guy that did uh, artwork like on uh, Tales of the Arabian Nights. So it's got that great classic illustrated drawings. Uh, great sound thematic um, integration. Fantastic theme integration. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I happened to throw a color DMD uh, into mine, and uh, it's got a, just a killer uh, color DMD uh, set up on it. And so it's just a super fun pen, super fast times. You know, and it's got, you know, ramps. It's got... Um, great multi-balls, it's got great video modes, it's got uh, spinner, it's got all the different bits and pieces you like, at least that I like in a game. I think it's a balance, a really well-balanced game. Yeah. You know, there's really easy shots and there's like, I the, well, the hardest shot for me is always locking the ball. Right, because that, that's going to Which is also a great shot. skill shot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? I put, uh, I put uh, lightning flippers on mine. Uh, the regular Williams flippers made it just a little bit too easy, so dropping that little eighth inch off on each side kind of gives you a little bit more flavor. I had read somewhere a while back that that game was actually designed originally with regular flippers, regular Williams flippers, and then it came out about the time they were saying, hey, let's get lightning flippers on these, especially for the European market. Oh, okay. Because they, they wanted, cause they wanted that, that was the whole reason for that, for the lightning flipper, is because the European operators want a shorter ball time. <laughs> they want a little bit more change in the drawer. They yeah. want. They did. I read that. I'm trying to remember where I read it, but um, but back on fishtails is you know when you get it flow. You know everybody talks about you know uh, the older brother of the rich, Steve, being you know the king of flow, and he is. But uh, that ramp setup, it's great on taxi too, but on fishtails, man, you get that going a rhythm, and it's just like you're just. It's you get in that zone, you know, that I always talk about, and in that adrenaline zone, it's like a roller coaster ride, and uh, that's just fun as heck. It's got a great spinner rip, the little you know toy mech with the fishing reel lock. Um, again, team integration. It's but like anything else, like Drew's talked about, I really haven't had time on one. You got to get on a good one because I've played some on location that, like any game, man, if it's beat to hell, half the lights aren't working. You know, it's just not that fun. So Drew, you got to come down and play Cess because his is uh, pretty tight. And, and most yeah. people, most people point to the topper as either loving it or hating it, and um, um, I don't know <laughs> because mine doesn't come with the topper, which is um, some people would view that as, as kind of a, a setback. But um, 
it looks good I next know. to all the other pins. Uh, people have told me it's incredibly obnoxious and loud, and I should be grateful. So it is. <laughs> that topper kind of reminds me of those little those little singing bass fish that you put. The Billy there. Bass fish, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Billy Bob Bash or Bass. Yeah, whatever, whatever that is. <laughs> it really doesn't bother me that bad, but it is. It's just like, uh, uh, you know, you all of a sudden you're playing the game, all of a sudden that thing's going off, and and the the tail fin is slapping against the plastic, and you're like. <laughs> the hell is that you know so yeah but it's a great game it, it, you know again uh uh you know it's not like incredibly deep rule set but it's a fast-paced fun game where you're like i don't want to be up all night knock back a few games of pinball before bed and you can get in a couple three games in you know 15 20 minutes yeah. and enjoy yourself that's all i like about it if you set it up right you know it's got that just one more game oh man i almost got to whatever you're trying to get to so um good good times indeed I can't play pinball before bed. It, it amps me up too much. <laughs> Especially when I get all mad. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, I can't play first thing in the morning when I wake up. Well, I, let's, I have to, like, let's, be, just... let's, let's have a little intervention here. You, you really can't play. <laughs> uh, oh man, that's right. I'm kidding. You know I'm what I've kidding. been doing? I'm kidding. Actually, what, no, I know. No, we're gonna get. No, actually, we're gonna get to. We're gonna get to some of my playing habits later, but. Um, <laughs> Because that, that'll be in the co- topic of conversation. Will it involve so, a jacuzzi? Uh, <laughs> no. No, it won't. Um, actually, you know what? We're actually talking about pulling the hot tub out. <gasps> well, because, okay, that hot tub is from, like, 1972. Right. You're in high school. If we, if, right. Oh, so I was. Yeah. Yeah. No. There you go. No, because what we're doing is so we can make room for more pins oh, okay. in that room. Here, here, uh, good job. I'm so, yeah. Well, okay. Well, Drew has no frame of reference. Seth has been to my house. I have a separate room off the game room. That's the hot tub room. Okay, we're talking so about pulling that out. It's an actual room. It's not like outside on your patio or something like that. Right. And we're oh, talking okay. about going to get another one. We'll get another one, put it out on the patio, and make more room for games. Plus, it'll you know be better on the electric bill because um, this thing takes up the whole room, not just uh, the tub itself, but like all of the filters and gizmos. Because all seventy stuff, so it's like three times the size of what you would find today. But y- so, y- you do have to do before you pull it out. You got to do your dream of playing pinball while sitting in the jacuzzi. I think you just got to. I do have. I do have to do that. <laughs> I'll just slide a game up to the edge of it. I hope I don't electrocute myself. <laughs> you know. um, because then you know I, i've gotten so lazy i keep thinking why do i have to go up to the game to like uh you know do audits and stuff why don't these have remotes right. you know? i want to sit here with my ipad <laughs> i'm seriously man i'm like i can sit on the couch and do this come on yeah um uh, so is there any other thoughts of uh final thoughts on uh fishtails no uh go out and play one um oh. and like you said location is is rough so try to find somebody somebody's collection is is there a real difference between the lightning flippers and the normal ones, or is it is it just it's eighth of an inch? I think Spence. I think so. Yeah. So yeah, quarter inch total. They're they're actually shorter. Yeah. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. So a lot of people will drop those in <laughs> just to like make that. their game. That was. Tougher. I don't like right that in the in in like whatever it was ninety two ninety three. A lot of the European big European operators because there were such heavy buyers of games went to Bowley Williams and said, hey, we need to figure out a way to have shorter ball times on the games. They came up with the idea of the lightning flipper. I, I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. 
So they were on Bram Stoker's Dracula, Fish Tales, uh, Getaway. I think had them, didn't they? Mm, I, I, that's not ringing a bell no, for me. No, not Getaway. You'd have to reach okay. out to Pin Willie on that one. Yeah, not, maybe not Getaway. There were a couple other games that had the lightning flippers, and now I can't remember which one. The most notable one. Uh, well, Safe Crackers had small flippers all the way. Actually, had smaller flippers uh, okay. all the way around. I think. Um, I don't know. You know what? Again, oh, maybe I should have done my homework. But um, <laughs> I did say ninety-five percent uh, accurate. I didn't say we're ninety-five percent accurate. But I know it was. They were on a few games. But I know Fish Tales had them. Uh, well, I know I'm putting them in my source. Sucker Dracula. So a lot of people have been putting those in a lot of System Eleven games. So make did, them harder. Did you just call Sorcerer so. System Eleven? What's that? Don't make me flip tables. Did you just say Sorcerer was the System Eleven? No, oh, uh, no, okay. but I'm saying a lot of people have been All playing right. them like System 11. No, no but, Sorcerer is a, but Sorcerer is one of the most amazing games ever made. But what so. system is it, though? Uh, uh, seven. All right, all right, all right. All right. Thought you had me stumped, didn't you? Except for it's a System no. 9. <laughs> I'm doing my, my worst Bill Murray impression. Is it, is it a System 9? Spencer, Spencer, Spencer. It's it's one of three systems. It's a 7. no. It's, it's, it's a system it's, nine. It's, it's just like space um, shuttle and uh, comet. It's part of that three. Oh crap! I did mess up. All, All right, right, so tonight we're eighty percent accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Please send your complaints to the spinner is lit <laughs> at gmail.com. That's right. Okay. <laughs> uh, upcoming release, which has now been released, Star Wars. Oh man! Yeah, I, <laughs> that's a loaded, right, I'll start. That's a loaded topic. <laughs> I'll start. Initial reaction when I first saw the really bad low res photos, uh, I was like, "What the hell is this?" Uh, the gameplay video that they've shown so far. I'll say one thing because when I first saw they had a video video monitor inside the play field, my first thought was, "Really?" It's like, "Are you so out of good ideas?" It's like because every game's doing that now. We'll put a video monitor in. But then I saw the video where it's, you know, you hit the targets and it corresponds to fighters on the little monitor. I thought, okay, it's integrated well. Um, I want to play it. I'm still not, you know, that huge on the art, but I, I haven't seen really good high-res photos. And for some reason, Stern can't get it out of their head to put out, you know, first release of these really crappy, low-res, That's because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't because they're going to sell like hotcakes anyway. But uh, you know what, man? It's Star Wars and it's pinball, so what the heck, you know? We'll give it a try. Drew, have you had a chance to uh, do any uh, nosing around on the web and take a look at the early uh, reviews? Yeah, I mean, I'm just – a lot of the new machines that Stern's put out with, like, I'm, I'm not big on the LCD. Like, I'm really not. So a lot of that just kind of almost turns me off immediately. Um, I – feel like it's too distracting to me like i'm mm. I'm, I'm looking way too much at the screen rather than the get off my itself. lawn kids yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we liked it <laughs> where's my reels yeah Barry and Randy, dmd only had one color yeah. <laughs> exactly. and it was orange we liked it <laughs> Orange and dark orange. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can actually really appreciate that. Sometimes it feels like, um, I mean, like if Game of Thrones, like I, I wake up in the middle of the night 
with shutters thinking of Game of Thrones had a uh, LCD screen in there because I can only imagine what kind of light show extras that would be on that machine over and above what it already is. So it, it, th- that kind of stuff can be really distracting. Now, I will say that um, we, we talked about Batman 66 a couple weeks back, but um, I felt that the, the the way they handled the instructions for that game where it was pretty well done by Stern and then playing Houdini this year at Pinagogo, um, I thought they did a really oh, good job of Oh, you have to play Houdini. Oh, Houdini it, was so much fun, or at least for the two balls I was able to play. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's... <laughs> that, so I think those am, are examples Am I the only of, guy you are. that didn't get to play Houdini? I am the only guy, and I got in line three times, and it kept breaking. <laughs> so It's a prototype. It's a prototype, man. <laughs> yep, I, I know, I know. I locked up that game once, but I think everyone else did too. So I'm not that yeah, yeah. You I know what? I, I, I got a T-shirt. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Can't complain. Yeah. I didn't get that. But you back know, to... I should put I should put that on the back of that shirt that I went to Pinagogo <laughs> and tried to play Houdini and all I got was this T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Star Wars. Um, but you know, I, I'm not a Star Wars guy. I'll say that right now. I'm a Star Trek guy. Boo! Uh, no, I, I love know. Star Trek too. So. I'm so glad you said that because I'm neither. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, it's, I, mean, I didn't want to uh, say it. Oh, I'm not big into Star Wars. I'm like what? What? Huh? What? You know, I, I need I need to ask my mom. Evidently, when I think I was three or four, one of the Star Wars movies was my very first movie, um, and I don't know which one it was, and I have no memory of it. So, in, I guess in theory, it should be part of my um, uh, childhood. But um, for me, Star Trek: Next Generation was the um, the quintessential TV show for me. So, I, I'll always have a little bit of a so- softer spot for for. The, uh, Star Trek over Star Wars. So having said that, it's uh, meh, whatever title. I mean, if it's a fun player, it's going to be a fun player, and, and it's not going to be about theme for me. So I was, uh, like you, a little uh, concerned about the artwork. It looked kind of like a Photoshop um, type uh, package, like, you know, a la Game of Thrones or something. But um, when I started looking at the images close up on my computer, um, you could tell they're, they, they appear to be illustrated. They're just really lifelike illustrations. So, and and the cabinet side art is starting to grow on me. So I'm I'm actually somewhat um, optimistic about the pen. I mean, obviously I have nothing for respect for Steve Ritchie and his design. I I don't think I've played a Steve Ritchie pen. Uh, any of his modern pins and hated it. So I think it's going to do well. It's Star Wars, so it's going to sell. It's Steve Ritchie, so it's going to sell. Um, I, I think they're going to do just fine with it. Is it going to be the next greatest thing? You know, is it going to be a, a something that redefines pinball and and rules and what you can do with a pinball machine? Probably not. But I don't think that's what Stern is after. I think it's going to just knock it out of the park on location. Definitely. Yeah, I could see that. You know, because it's Star Wars, that new LCD, uh, and like and like I said, the the uh, the cabinet art. As I'm seeing more high res pictures, uh, you know, like I really love the side with the walkers. I think that's the premium. Um, that looks really cool. So yeah, I think it's gonna really. I think you're gonna end up seeing a lot of those. Probably a lot of pros on location. Maybe a few premiums. Yeah, yeah. It just depends on what operators are willing to, you know. Some operators uh, want uh, pins for themselves, and so they'll go higher premium type and um, let it go on location to pay for itself a little bit, and then they bring it home. Yeah. Well, that's kind of a neat concept. It just depends on the size of the operator. You know, some, some the hobbyist operators out there, 
that um you know route five or ten pins just to kind of fund their hobby yeah i I thought about doing that once, but just too much too much work. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I I think we everybody that uh, has a passion to buy more machines and uh, doesn't have the funds goes, hmm. And you go, okay, well, in theory, I should have a business license. I should have insurance. I've yeah. got to figure out the split with the house. I've got to have to do maintenance if I really want to be good. I really need to do, you know, bi-weekly maintenance. Um, and they just start adding it all up, and you're like, hmm. <laughs> and you read stories online, and you're like, hmm. Yeah. You definitely have to be passionate about it. Yeah, yeah, you do. And or and or like be really friendly with the locations that you're putting them on, not just you know make a deal. I think there's a lot of that too. Building relationships. So, um, we got some upcoming shows to talk about. What you got, Spence? I got Pintastic New England, which is uh, uh, the uh, New England area show, and that's coming up July sixth, seventh, and eighth. And that's at the Sturbridge Host Hotel in Sturbridge, Massachusetts. It covers both pinball and video games. Um, their website's a little vague, man. Uh, but a, uh, a three-day adult super pass is 85 bucks, and a three-day child super pass is $27. And they're going to have seminars, but it doesn't really talk about who's going to be there. So, uh, But, hey, it's pinball and video games. If you're listening and in the New England area, um, go and check out this show. You probably already know about it, and if you don't, fantastic uh, game room expo in in uh, Sturbridge, Massachusetts, July sixth, seventh, and eighth. Is that a fairly new show? What's that? Is is that a fairly new show? I've never heard of that show. Uh, you know what? I hadn't either. And I mean, we've been really just talking about shows on the West Coast, so I wanted to kind of you know reach out and get you know because I'm sure there's people listening to our show, the nine or ten out there. And at least one of them's <laughs> got to be from the New England area, so or maybe traveling for work. So, um, so you know, I'm trying to catch every show, and hopefully, uh, if you're a listener and you know about an upcoming show, please email us at thespinnerislit at gmail dot com. Yeah, please go out and support your local shows. Uh, you can't uh, can't help but love going out and working with your local pinhead community and. Um, playing some games, seeing the latest and greatest, and just um, you know having that face to face human contact with your fellow man uh, versus hiding behind uh, a computer by behind your pinball machine back at home. It's nice to get out and and be with other people and uh, help kind of f- help this hobby block continue to blossom. That's right, old school social networking. Play a game of pinball or uh, a game of asteroids deluxe with somebody you've never met before. It's so true. <laughs> so I don't have a, a show to uh, upcoming show to highlight, but I do have a show report. Um, just got back from a trip to Denver, Colorado for work. Lucky. I <laughs> lucky in that I got to go a day early. Darn it! And uh, spent Sunday out at uh, the beautiful um, Rocky Mountain Pinball Showdown. Uh, I believe that was in Lone Pine, which is just a little south of uh, Denver. So headed out there for about uh, half a day on Sunday. And Lone to- Pine? Isn't that where the Lone Pine Mall is, where uh, time travel was first achieved? I, I don't know. Oh, man, that was a Back to the Future <laughs> reference. Come on. Don't get me started on Back to the Future. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
So uh, headed out there, uh, uh, had a um, uh, good time, you know, kind of um, it's my first non-West Coast show. So uh, went out there, and it's funny, I, I'm, I'm checking in at the front and buying my ticket, and they see my, uh, of course, I'm sporting my Pentagogo shirt. And so we start represent. Got always got to represent, and uh, so they're like, "Oh, there's some other folks here from uh, from your area. Do you know Robin?" And I'm like, "No, I don't think I've met a Robin." And um, they're like, "Oh, there's a couple other people around." And and sure enough, I turn around and there's Gene X uh, in the tournament area, and um, uh, and then later on, I, I ran into Masha. She was out there with her husband. Uh, so it's, it's always fun to be a couple thousand miles away, or in the, I guess in this case a thousand miles away, and run into your your pinball family, your extended pinball family out there. Um, but uh, but otherwise, uh, a, a really neat show. It's a it's a, a hotel hosted show, so it's you know kind of in a convention center of a hotel. Um, so it's all kind of uh, spread out. But instead of being one giant room, uh, it was really neat. It was a whole series of rooms spread around. So um, the lights were not super low, um, so there was good visibility on all the play fields. There was all these different rooms you could walk in. There was, some of them had three pinball machines, some of them had 20, and there was one main big expo area that had had the big size chunk. But overall, I'd say there was about 150, maybe a little bit more pinball machines, maybe 100 vids. Uh, so a uh, ton to do f for a day visit. Um, you know, like I said, they had a separate tournament area. They had um, they had these guys uh, podcasting live. Uh, shout out to Nerd Cube was there uh, doing their show, uh, so it was kind of neat to see them uh, in their setup. Um, lot lot of um, lot of uh, brand new Sterns there. They had a, a line of Jersey Jack games. They had like two dialed in and two Hobbits and seven uh, Wizard of Oz's all lined up. Um, they had uh, a lot of the pins, you know, you see at all the shows, the typical 80s and 90s games, and they had some, some cool rare ones that some uh, I've never been able to play, like uh, Dragon Fist, and uh, they had a Blackwater 100, which I've always wanted to play, so I kind of got to scratch Oh, me pictures. too. You know, that game is super interesting. It's a trip, right, because the ball can go below, you know, all the way around the circumference of the, the, the table, so your flippers are, like, uh, above where the ball is because it, it goes in this big old loop, but... Um, I don't think I'd a want to own it because of the the bang for your buck on it, and b it. I'm guessing after you figure out all the tricks, it's probably kind of boring. But uh, it was pretty cool to walk up and play a really nice example that was in really good shape and played really well. So I got to play a couple games on that. Um, Mystery Castle. I've always wanted to play that. Uh, they had one set up right in the front. That was that was super fun. Um, you know me, I, I love my old school 80s um, solid state. So they had a, a Stern Dragon Fist, which is a pretty rare one. Um, so yeah. I got to play a couple games on that. They had uh, the most beautiful Stern Magic I've ever seen. It had like a brand new play field, plastics, backlight. I mean, it looked beautiful, uh, well lit. Um, so, and I've played that a couple times at different places, and it has always been kind of slow. This one played super fast, it made it a different game. Um, what cool. else? Black Knight. They had uh, several Black Knights there, but they had one. This guy had painted the cabinet like um, metallic, dark silver, and black and red. 
Um, and so it was just a, a different color scheme that looked really sweet. And he'd put in um, some mods on it. So when the ball first came out of the uh, shooter lane, instead of going to the upper play field, it actually popped up into a habit trail and uh, fed the left flipper. So you always started your games down at the bottom and had to work your way back to the, the upper play field uh, for your, your ball lock. And so it kind of changed the typical dynamics you see on a Black Knight. That was... Um, it, the machine was just really slick, well, really well set up. He'd put a lot of time into it, so pretty, pretty fun games there to be played. Cool, so, man. Yeah, it was it was a fun, fun show. I really enjoyed my time there. You know, I, I, it's cool to go to different shows because you see different new games. You don't see it the same, you know, hit and go go. I mean, different stuff shows up every year, but after a while, a lot of the same stuff you'll see year after year too. So, well, you know, I. One of the games they had there was Pharaoh. And, and Drew, I don't know, have you ever logged any time on a Pharaoh? I don't think I've ever played that one, no. Yeah, so it's like an older Williams, uh, I don't know, System 7 or something game. And um, it it there's one at, at the Pinagogo show every year, and it's Brad's. And, and I'm super glad that he brings it to the show because it's kind of more of one of those games you never get to see. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> it kind of goes that's what I'm talking about now. It kind of goes along with like a Jungle Lord or, you know, yeah. it's got that upper play field, a uh, bunch of flippers and drops up there. Uh, kind of an ugly art package on the back glass, unfortunately. But it's one of these machines that I've always, always been intrigued by. And so they had one there. <laughs> it's a good player and a fun shooter. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was excited they had one at this show because I've only ever played Brad's Pharaoh. And, and you know, it's... Brad's is, is in decent cosmetic shape, but um, it doesn't always shoot the best. So I was like, okay, this is a chance for me to play on, on a different one just to see if this ever pops. Is this going to be a game I pull the trigger on? So I, I walk up to play it a couple different times, and by golly, people were playing on it. You know, it, People liked it. There, there wasn't a lot of um, freedom on that machine. Every time I walked by, there was somebody on it. So it's towards the end of my visit, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go get in line because I want to play this machine. And there is uh, a young lady uh, already on it. So I'm just kind of sitting back and waiting for her to play through. And my goodness, she's having a good game. And so I'm giving her her space because she's a little bit of a mover and a shaker. And so I'm trying not to peer over her neck, but I'm, I'm kind of watching. She's playing and playing. So I'm like, okay. okay. And then she, she finally wraps up after another four or five minutes. I'm like, okay. And she plays another game. I'm like, oh, man, she, she didn't hear me. That's cool. You know, I, I was kind of giving her space. I was kind of lurking behind her. So I cough, you know, <clears throat> you know, just to let her know that I'm behind her. So she starts <laughs> playing. And I swear to you, she puts like a, a seven-minute ball one on. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, so she's really good. So I'm like, there's a Black Knight next to her that opens up. I'm like, I'll play Black Knight while I'm waiting on her. And I play a game, and she's still playing her game. I play another game. She's still playing that first game. I play another game, and she's still playing. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> she's really good, and uh, well, or also I'm really bad at Black Knight, evidently. So I go get in line behind her, and um, she ends up dropping, like I don't know, 2.7 million or something on there. She 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 basically puts a GC on there and and walks away. Uh, you could just tell she was a super good good player. So I was like, all right. So I, I finally hop on, and I tell you, I play three games in about 45 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's not my fault, right? I'm a good player. It's her. She took all the good balls out of the machine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. So I'm I'm uh, later on I run into Gene and I finally start putting two to two together because uh, you know I told you when I first walked in they told me uh, Robin was there and did I know her? Well, ended up that was Robin who was in front of me. She's she's a local uh, player from uh, Berkeley and uh, yeah she's ranked number one in the world for women and number seventy five overall. So yeah, I, it made wow. sense why I had to wait twenty minutes for her to get through two games. So my hats off to her. She she she's an amazing player and. I I, I, I enjoyed watching her uh, work at it, so I'm sure she was there for the tournament. Cool. So that's that's my show highlight in a nutshell. Sorry, I went on a little bit, but it was, no, a, it was okay. a great show. You know what? It was a nice little review. Um, uh, I no, thank you. It's kind of like you know the on the scene review, the trip report from Seth. So the <laughs> room, the rumor mill, man, Slayer. You guys heard this? I have. I, I've seen it. <laughs> I think is it's a, like an, what's that? Is it another like is it another like a you know uh what is it boutique type of pinball? No, so uh supposed to be uh Stern I guess showed up at a Slayer show a while back and there's been oh. some other rumors that Stern might be putting out a Slayer game. Um wasn't this Zombie Yeti that was putting little hints out? I think so. Yeah, and uh uh, I, I think it's just a ruse to get everybody off the trail of Iron Maiden. I think uh, most likely Iron Maiden is going to be next, uh, not Slayer. I just – I don't know. Hey, I could be wrong. What do I know, right? I just don't see it being viable uh, compared to Maiden's fan base compared to Slayer's. Maiden, Maiden has a much bigger fan base, especially in countries outside of the U.S. that are big into pinball, uh, i.e. like Europe. Which you know, Maiden is huge in Europe still. So, well, when you say next, do you mean next Stern, or do you mean the next Stern rock and roll pin machine? Uh, I'll, I'll say the next Stern rock and roll or music pin. Um, so I, I definitely think it's Iron Maiden. What I what I'm more interested to know is who's designing the next pin because we just had a Borg pin with Aerosmith, and we just had Steve Ritchie release Star Wars. So who's up next? That would be John Trudeau. Or um, uh, 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 the new guy, the new gun slinger in Keith. town. Thank you, Keith Ellen. Because also we just had uh, George Gomez with Batman sixty six, and he's really not yeah, but that much anymore. Uh, okay, that's why I was curious if that was considered design. Maybe he's working on another title, but well, maybe. That, that's... But I, you know, Trudeau had uh, Ghostbusters, and then before that, what WWE? Yeah, and then before that, Mustang. So. But he's due again. He's due up again. And then, of course, we don't know what Keith Ellen's working on. Is he still working on Archer? Because all that oh, God, information. So. Me too. Because and thank God I got to play that at Pinagogo two years ago. So because that actually that played for me. That was a lot of fun, and I want to see him make that because I am a huge Archer fan. So oh, yeah, me too. Um, so I think Archer, Ar Archer, and, and Rick and Morty are two cartoon themes I can oh, really. Gosh. Bob's, I would, I would, Bob's I would actually. Too. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I would actually even maybe even pre-order them. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> I, if if a Rick and Morty's rumor really got started, oh my gosh, that that I mean that's number two uh, against, of, of course, as you guys know, uh, Disney, um, like a Disneyland theme. But number two would be Rick and Morty. But but yeah, I, I hope Keith's working on Archer. That would be pretty awesome if they brought him in and uh, to work on what he's already been planted and it ends up being the nucleus of, of that game is is the one that he uh he'd been touring with in prior years 
but I th- I think uh, if if Trudeau potentially is up next, maybe he's on deck for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy because that's that's the strongest rumor I've heard as the next Stern uh, coming out. Yeah, and well, and he's I know you know he's a real big science fiction fan, um, you know science fiction fantasy horror the whole genre. Um, so yeah. I think Guardians would be you know really right up his alley. And I think you could do a lot of interesting things. It seems like though from like from like a marketing standpoint, it seems like that Guardians of the Galaxy would have like like we've already missed the mark on that. Like, you know, cuz the movie's already out, right? Yeah, but you know, they they're they're, they're going to be tying them into Avengers down the road too. So Oh. See that I don't know. I'm not I'm not very Well, I'm curious what did uh Drew, when did this Drew start did do his homework? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, when did the Star Trek movies franchise come out versus the Star Trek pinball machine? I'm, I'm, I'm I don't, I'm wondering if they tied those together or if it's just such a big. Um, um it, well, big it came out after the second movie because they had both movies in the game, so I know that. So they, hmm. I don't know. It's a kick-ass yeah, game with I'm, amazing flow. I just know that uh, I was uh, a bit surprised. Uh, you know, uh, I like to bore my family with pinball talk every once in a while because um, even even though they like to play, they kind of roll their eyes when 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 dad or starts getting on a roll about some nerd talk. But I was mentioning Guardian of the Galaxy that I I've had uh, several people um, tell me that it uh, g- gave me strong indication um, that it's coming up next, and. Um, my wife got super excited about that, and I was like, "Oh, okay." So, cool. Green light to buy yeah. new. <laughs> right. That's that's how I read that. That's probably not what she meant, but that's exactly how I read that. <laughs> Works for me. So, any other rumors out there? I I think that's about it right now. Other than what we talked about last episode with Jersey Jack and Pirates of the Caribbean. That would be cool. I haven't heard that one. Um. Yeah, it's a rumor. I don't know if there's any truth to it, but. No, we'll see. I mean, uh, dials in shipping right now. You know, Jack did his uh, cartwheels this last week, so that's exciting. They're getting out on location now. Yeah, I saw him doing the cartwheels when the truck pulled out. That was pretty funny. It is. Yeah, that was awesome. It's good to see him doing that again. So, shall we segue into a little shop talk? Yeah, yeah. You want me to go ahead with mine first? Sure. What you got? Well, um, you know, I I got that. Uh, Black Rose a few months back, and uh, I, I've been a big fan of Harbor Freight lately for inexpensive hand tools. <laughs> so the two – I actually have two, and these things are great. Uh, and that's the uh, the telescoping little gizmo with a magnet at the end. So when you're <laughs> you know unscrewing something and it drops somewhere and you can't see it, uh, you can just run that magnet around and – Clink, hey, you got it. Um, and, you know, or if a ball drops down or any part, you know, I got, you know, you guys know me. I'm not real tall and I got short arms. So the little magnetic head telescoping picker uppy thingy uh, is just well, great if, to have. If that's, if that's pretty n- great for you, then I've got some other tools for you. Uh, there's this thing called uh, pliers. And this <laughs> yeah, I have those. called a uh, wrench that I got to introduce to you. <laughs> yeah, I have all those too. I have a full a garage full of tools. Um, the other one is also magnetic. It's the little magnetic dish, the little metal dish. Looks kind of like uh, the size of an ashtray. The, the ashtray. ashtray. 
those are great because I just like you can set it on, you know, uh, you can set it anywhere, you know, on a counter nearby, on a workbench, uh, in the game itself, and when you're taking apart stuff, you can set your parts in there. And what I do is I set my parts in there, and then like with the plastics in that whole section, I bag them up in a ziplock and then ride it down. So I keep everything compartmentalized as I'm taking pictures. And those two little gizmos are inexpensive. You know, they should be in every pinball person's toolbox. Um, if you're listening to the show and, and you don't have those, go out and get them because, again, they're inexpensive and valuable. Um, if you have somebody in your life, a family, a friend, a member, a friend, uh, son, husband, brother, father, mother, sister, whatever, uh, and they don't have those, go out and grab some for them. It's a great inexpensive gift. You know, Christmas is only, what, six months away? You know, Never pick up some. <laughs> It's never too early, man. Dude, I have all my shopping done by August. What's that? Father's Day is coming up tomorrow. It'll be a great Father's Day gift. It, it, Father, yes, it is. It would it would be a great Father's Day gift. So makes a swell gift, don't it? It certainly <laughs> does. So those those are my little uh, my little you know uh, shop talk cool tools to have in your pinball repair kit. You, you know, uh, speaking of the magnetic ashtray, uh, I just saw one online. I can't remember where I saw it. It the evolution of that, it's a wristband. It goes around your wrist that's got a magnetic portion on it. And so as you're undoing stuff, you just slap it on your wrist and it stays with your with your, your wrist wherever you move. I, I'm intrigued by that because one thing about the magnetic ashtray, as helpful as it is, sometimes I'm working somewhere in the machine where I don't have a good place for uh, that magnet to stick. Yeah, just stick Either it to I've the side, a side rail. rail. Well, I, I believe it or not, I have at least two machines where the side rail isn't magnetized. It doesn't doesn't work with the magnet. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's some magic, uh, sciencey thing that I just don't understand, or if 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 <laughs> how that happened. But not all of my side, side rails work for that. Oh, it, wouldn't that be a non-ferrous metal then? Well, I don't know because I, I I don't speak. Uh, Nerd. You don't speak metal. You didn't take you didn't you didn't take you didn't take metallurgy in a shop class or none of that. Well, see, since now back back in your day, right in the forties and fifties, they, they, that was part of the core <laughs> curriculum. We didn't have non-magnetic metal, and we were foolish and ignorant. We liked it. So that's back when uh, you guys didn't have filters on your cigarettes either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, uh, in terms of shop talk, I was just going to throw this out there. Um, I had my very first experience uh, swapping um, incandescent over to LED a couple weeks back uh, on Fishtails, coincidentally enough. Um, big shout out to uh, the guys over at uh, Nifty LED. Um, hook, hooked me up with a great kit uh, at the show. Uh, great price, great quality. Uh, so I, I, I bring it home. I sit on it for a week because I'm feeling kind of lazy after the show, but I finally start working through it. and. Um, they, they've made it fairly idiot-proof um, with instructions and part list and layouts and all that kind of stuff. But this is like the first time I've done a full swap. Like I've, I've done incandescent to LED, just like frosted whites or whatever, um, which is, you know, you just don't have to think. You just start replacing all the bulbs. But this was like, oh, okay, this particular color has to go to this particular controlled light, et cetera, et cetera. So that was my first time doing this. And like I said, they made it fairly idiot-proof, uh, which meant uh, I struggled with it mightily at first. <laughs> <laughs> There's like so many little bags of so many different types of colored bulbs. And um, I, 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 I struggled at first, and then I found my rhythm. And it, it probably took me, I don't know, two 
two to three hours to get through it over a course of a couple days. Um, but um, man, it, it sure uh, brightened up the machine. All my while I was in there, right, and, and pulling out um, pulling out the, um, the the bulbs, I was cleaning the back side of the inserts and, and doing all the little stuff you're supposed to do. And uh, so now that when I turn it on, all of my inserts are fully lit and everything looks nice and sharp. So I was pretty happy with it. But it was it was fairly intimidating at the start. Pushed through it, and uh, now I feel I could probably tackle others, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't make quite as many mistakes as I did. Cool. Cool. I've never done a kit yet. Yeah, I used to spend a lot of money on on LED kits. Like I, I'd buy them from um, uh, 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 who is it? Pinball bulbs. And those okay. the, those kits are are very very good. Don't get me wrong, but they are expensive. Um, those run probably around two hundred fifty bucks per kit. Um, yeah, and and that's for everything, right? That's that, flashers. That's control. No, that's, that's usually yeah. like well, actually, no. I take it back. A lot, a lot of times, it does include the flashers, and it does include like these little LED strips that you can add to, which definitely put a nice touch on it. Uh, what I've mm, what I've been right. doing lately, especially with all these machines I just recently picked up, is I've just bought. LEDs like in bulk. Like I've, I've bought a hundred packs of, of, of warm white and hundred packs of cool white. And I've just kind of, mm. you know, uh, pieced the little kits together myself and it, it ends up being a lot cheaper. And I think it turned out pretty darn good. Um, it saves a lot of money too. Yeah. I, I think, you know, this was, like I said, my first time using colored bulbs for, for inserts. And, uh, I think, uh, the nifty guys did a real good job of being tasteful with with the colors and like i don't have any color leds in my back glass because those are the ones that really start kind of um i don't i don't know if annoying is the right word but they they get kind of um oh i'll say it ugly uh you know you get people that put put because bright pink behind pink bright green behind green and it's right. the, the purple much. pinball guys like whoa guys that's a lot of purple right not that there's anything wrong with that but there is yeah. <laughs> It, it, it's all individual shit. I've seen people do it really well, and people where I was like, "Ooh, that's a bit much," but you know, teach their own. Yeah, I've seen the pictures. I haven't seen your fish tail since you've done it, but I've seen the pictures, and it does look really good. Yeah, yeah, it, it kept the the it, you know when you go. I like incandescence, but fish tails was a little bit on the dark side for me, so I felt like it kept the the color scheme well, uh, and it doesn't scream out, oh, "I've been LED'd," like some kits do. Um, but it definitely made everything brighter and cleaner and, and modernized it a little bit. And I think fishtails is one of those themes that's fine with LED. You know, it, it doesn't go against the theme of the pen. Yeah. No, I think it looks good. Have you ever heard of the, of the LED OCD board? Yeah, yeah. That's and I, I guess I'm I'm you know it helps the uh, flickering. But I, I and I know like I've seen it on WPC, but I don't know what era is it. Do you use it on any well, platform, he, or is it? A yeah, specific? he makes a, a, a few different ones. Like he makes a version for for the Stern, like the Sam systems and White Star. Uh, he makes a uh, board for the Williams System Eleven and WPC. I've got them. I think in about four or five of my games. Um, they're a little they're a little pricey, but man, they make a they make the inserts look so nice. Like it's not you know the really rigid on and off that you get with the LEDs, but it it makes that that nice warm oh, glow. Oh, the light shows much more. Yeah, it's okay. much smoother. It's much easier on the eyes, um, and it it uh, it makes a lot of the of the cheaper LEDs look a lot nicer too. So if you don't you know, have, you know, the really expensive, you know, SMD type LEDs in your games. Um, it really helps kind of, kind of even out, uh, the really 
harsh flickering and and you know things like gotcha. that that they see. So it, I think they're worth the money. Uh, the problem is that he he typically sells out of them fairly quickly. So you mm, gotta go. he does them in batches. He does them in batches for sure. But, huh, I'll have to check that out. But if you get the opportunity to pick one up, definitely. Uh, I need I needed something else to put on my shopping list. Thanks, Drew. Yeah, oh, cool. yeah, yeah no, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. I can't let Rusty listen now because if it's something for Black Rose, I still have to put the under the cab lighting kit in. I still haven't done that. Oh, you yet, haven't done so. that yet. I have not done that yet, man. Ever since I got back from GoGo, I've just been, you know, just gone, 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 gone. Yeah, gone, gone. <laughs> very, very, very deep in work and just family stuff. So, um, you know, with the boys' trail life and everything else. So, I'm going to be volunteering the next couple of weeks at the fireworks stand. You know, <laughs> hey, you want to? Yeah, yeah. Because like, can you volunteer at the fireworks stand? I just looked at the the trail master and said, "You had me at fireworks, man." You know, <laughs> you, you had know. me at fire. That's all, that's <laughs> it. Fire, yeah, fire. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yeah. So I think we're about to wrap it up, guys. It's been a uh, yeah, no, awesome. And this is yeah, this is really really a fun show. Really enjoying this. Um, so, Seth, we need to kind of go through the thank yous and all that good stuff and then who, how, how to, to get a hold of us. Of course, our email is thespinnerislit at gmail.com. Um, where can they hear us, Seth? I know SoundCloud. You can hear us on SoundCloud. That's our home. Uh, we're, we're proud to announce we're officially on iTunes. So Yay! Yay! <laughs> so please uh, give us a listen. Uh, feel free to leave ratings and comments on um, on our various platforms. We'd love to hear hear from you guys. Questions, all all those good things. Oh, and Acast as well. Yes, absolutely, Acast as well. And, and we still haven't heard back from Stitcher yet, have we? No, like I put that help desk ticket in, like like a like almost a month ago. So uh, Acast, of course, our home at SoundCloud and uh, oh, iTunes. Tune in. Tune in. Tune in, thank you, and tune in. Um, uh, Drew, any 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 tips on places to play in Reno? Um, I'd say the biggest place that you can play in Reno is either going to be Comic Kingdom, where they have a, a, a lot of uh, of more classic games. It's more of kind of like, like a little comic book shop, but he's he's a great guy. He's got a lot of great uh, machines in really good condition. Uh, a lot of older stuff too, so it's really nice to play some of those once in a while. Um, if you're looking for some of the newer stuff, Beach Hut Deli has a killer, killer arcade. Um, and uh, they've got a lot of the more recent Sterns there, you know, Ghostbusters, um, you know, Twilight Zone. I think they, they've had Twilight Zone there for a while as well. So um, that's those, those are my, my top two places to go here in Reno. Cool, cool. Excellent. So there's more to do than just gamble and go to Cabela's. All right, cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. Well, that's about it, really. Okay, cool. All right, and uh, I think that's about all we have for tonight. Uh, again, want to thank our guest, uh, Drew Nicholson, for coming on the show and uh, and sharing the wonderful world of warehouse raids and uh, how to start a, a YouTube arcade channel. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. This is a, this is yes. a great experience. Had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again soon. Hey, I've got a couple of shout-outs. Please. Wanted to shout out to Rory, who won Division A at uh, Capital Corridor Pinball League tonight. Good job, yeah, Rory. Rory, yay. And shout out to Izzy, who cleaned house and won Division B tonight. Good job, brother. After just coming back from a whirlwind European tour, yes. Right, right, yeah. Awesome, Good to have Izzy. You Good job, guys. And then a shout out to uh, 
Practical Steve and his uh, brilliant daughter Haley, who set a GC Grand Champion score on his shadow tonight. That is amazing, amazing feat for uh, what a 16-month-old daughter. I know, I know. It's like awesome. Way to go, Haley and uh, Practical Steve. Good shout-outs. Well, once again, thanks for uh, tuning in, and uh, this is all we have tonight. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Spencer Klingen, and my wonderful co-host slash engineer, Seth Holder, and our very special guest. Drew Nicholson, uh, Spinner's Lit Pinball Podcast. Play pinball. Keep America strong.